Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello. Welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. I'm um, feeling edgy, uh, not just because the world is um, ending right in front of us, but mostly just because I've got really bad PMS. And I've only just started to realise the power of telling people that I have PMS. I felt so ashamed of it for such a long time that I, I used to deny it and I used to get really angry if anyone would even ask me if I had it, even if they asked it, not in that annoying boyfriend way, but in a sort of genuine concern way when you're being slightly irrational. Um, but I've, I'm just done with trying to pretend that this massive hormonal cycle that happens every single fucking month isn't just turning my insides upside down. And I don't even get it that badly. But my mood as I'm getting older is definitely starting to shift. And today I just feel like punching everyone in the face. Uh, and I found it very helpful to just say that first thing in the morning to everyone I see. It's like, how are you? I'm homicidal. I'd like, I want to punch everyone in the face. Stay away from me. I'm in a very bad mood. I'm grumpy. I'm feeling grumpy. Women feel as though we're not allowed to just say, I'm grumpy. I'm pissed. I don't want to talk. I don't want to smile. I don't want to have a cuddle. Just fuck off. And so, uh, yeah, just trying that today. Been by myself for the last couple of hours because everyone's avoiding me, probably for the best. And I'm loving it, frankly. I've just been sitting on my own binging uh, Emily in Paris, <laughs> that very silly French show. Uh, What's well, an American show set in France. Uh, it's on Netflix. I also sat down and watched something this week that was very scary for me. Um, a guy called Carlos Watson, who works at a company called Ozzy, decided to make a documentary series about change makers and their defining moments. And he included me in the series for what, when I signed on to it, I didn't realise it would kind of be like a documentary style journey through my life. And so I did it earlier in the year and it got released this week on Hulu, for those of you who are in America. And it's only 30 minutes long, but watching, A, I mean, it's the sort of thing that normally I hate watching, especially after the last year of seeing journalists like edit me in order to make me sound like an idiot or an asshole and twisting all my words and like taking me out of context. So I was so scared knowing how much they had on me and how easy it would be to just misrepresent me. And I'm glad and relieved to say that that didn't happen. It's just quite a nice, normal portrayal of my life and also just wild it's so surreal when you have been mentally ill for a really long time and you look back through your 20s or whenever and you realise that you don't really feel like those years happened to you and you see all these, you know, videos or pictures. And I have all this footage of me like out in the world doing these big public scary things. And I don't remember any of those moments because I was just sort of out of my body. So that was really odd just seeing how many things that I've done and realising that, gosh, 
I didn't really do my 20s. So it made me feel very grateful that I'm now in a place where I'm at least aware enough to try to make the most of my 30s and to try to be present and to try to get rid of anything in my life that is toxic and stopping me from being able to live in the moment. But it's called Defining Moments. It's on um, it's on Hulu and it's just like a sort of like breakdown <laughs> of, of my sort of triumphs and my fuck ups. And, uh, and it's not bad. It's, 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 uh, it's nice, Gloria Steinem's in it. That's bizarre. Um, and, and she's great. Anyway, I'm feeling shy moving on. Um, I did also though want to tell you that if you are enjoying the podcast, which it sounds like you are from the lovely messages you are sending, uh, that A, you can still vote for me on the People's Choice Award, but B, we have a YouTube channel for I Weigh Now where we have a kind of, it's almost like an extension of the podcast where we take great experts and we make videos with them about the sort of subjects that we're covering on this channel. And we go into depth and we cover such specific parts of different communities and it's really really good. And I know I'm not allowed to say that because I'm A, English, B, it's, I'm, I'm also South Asian, uh, so never supposed to brag. Um, and, and C, I am, uh, it's mine, so I can't say that. But fuck it. I think when women are proud of something that they've done, they should be allowed to say that. And I'm proud of the YouTube channel. It's just my name at Jamila, like whatever, Jamila, YouTube dot com forward slash Jamila Jamil. God, I sound like such a grandmother. And it's full of videos that I think you'd really like. And and sometimes it's guests that you have on this podcast that we take kind of outside of this and 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 into a new area. So I'm just letting you know about that in case you're interested. I'm putting up stuff in the next couple of weeks that is really, really cool and took a long time to shoot. But makes me feel very proud of what we've built over at iWay with this community and inspired by all of you. But anyway, let's move on to our guest for the day. Her name is Gillian Mercado. You might know her from the new reboot of The L Word. She is an actress, she is a model, and she is an advocate for disability rights. She is someone who herself has a disability, and she is such an outspoken member of her community. She's so inspiring. She doesn't pull any punches. She's fun. She's beautiful. And she was such a pleasure to be able to talk to. And I also feel like when people talk to someone with like a, especially a visible disability, they can really, if they themselves do not share that visibility, they, they, they sort of tiptoe around a subject that does not need to be tiptoed around. People with disabilities are no different to anyone else. And they're thinking a lot of the same things, going through a lot of the same things. They just aren't always allowed into the same places because our society is so backwards and fucked. So this was just a very free conversation in which I talked to Gillian about some of the things that other people are too scared to ask her. First of all, how a disabled person wants to be referenced and how they think someone without a disability should be referenced or what it's like to date a disabled person or what it's like to be a disabled person who is dating and how they feel and how they would like to be spoken to and treated. And obviously that community is not a monolith. She's just one member, but she really went there with me and she was so empathetic and patient. And I feel like this was just a conversation that we all need because there is still this sort of like invisible line between non-disabled people and disabled people. And I think we really need to work to erase that line. And it's on our society to break that taboo and that fear and that ignorance. So 
I hope you enjoy this episode. She's a great actress and just a wonderful human being. I'm so glad to have come across her. She was so, so open with me and I love this episode to pieces. So without further ado, this is the absolutely excellent Gillian Mercado. Mercado, welcome to iWay. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And I, you know, I love, I've been researching you for the past couple of days. I just love so much of what you say and the way that you carry yourself in the world, the way that you guide people so unapologetically. And you are so thoughtful and I so value your perspective. So I'm really thrilled to be able to sit down and have a chat with you. I'm already going to start a cry. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, I cry. I do my best. So for those of you who don't know, Gillian is a wonderful actress. You can catch her on The L Word and also a model, an advocate and a leader online. You and I talked about this before. I think a lot of people who don't exist within the disabled community uh, feel awkward around disability and they don't know how to approach it and they don't know what is the correct word to say, what is an offensive word to say, uh, what is the better option. And because people are almost so awkward around it, they don't even fucking ask. And so I thought, let's just get that straight out of the way now. How do you prefer to be referred to? I am a disabled person. You are a disabled person. And when it comes to talking about people who do not have disabilities, what is your preferred term? Um, a few of us in the community has, uh, we've talked about this and, you know, usually it's each, each person has their own, um, viewpoint on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say non-disabled because mm-hmm. that's what it is. You just don't have a disability, whether it's invisible or not. Um, because the other terms, um, we feel like it's very, um, like a cute way of saying disability without actually acknowledging that the person is disabled. You're talking about able-bodied and also... Uh, yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about people who don't have disabilities, correct? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's in that terminology. And so so yeah. you're saying that when it comes to that expression, I mean, you mentioned to me that also there are certain things that people with disabilities can do that are extra. And so the idea that you are either able-bodied or disabled isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so I um, I love that. And thank you for illuminating me on that. And if I slip, you can slap me and I shall come back and do better. And I would love to, I'd just love to start at the very beginning with you of your experience. You are one of the only people with a disability who is in mainstream Hollywood, absolutely killing it in massive fashion campaigns. You are such a role model. You've been on the cover of Teen Vogue and, and Yours is the story that needs to be told so much more often, not just specifically yours, but the ones of your community. I've been speaking out about this for years. And so to actually be able to sit down and talk with someone about that experience and the way that the media erases it and the impact that has on society is something that's so important to to not shy away from. And so I appreciate you coming on to talk to me about all of these things. Let's start at the beginning. Will you tell me your experience with your health and uh, disability? Yeah. Um, interesting enough, my my life journey thus far has been a lot of com- confusion, a lot of misunderstanding with 
myself and the health practitioners that um, kind of wrote, wrote my book on my life. Um, I was misdiagnosed when I was very young. Um, they told my mom I had cerebral palsy at the age of three. Mm-hmm. And I undergoed so many exams. I, I can't even count right now how many exams I went through. Um, none of them was really helping what I actually have, which then I realized when I was really nosy at the age of 13, looking at my uh, medical uh, papers, that a doctor actually wrote that I had muscular dystrophy, which is what I actually have right now, mm-hmm. um, which really messed up my mental health because I thought I was one person and in reality I was another. Mm-hmm. And not that it ever affected me as far as like... Um, you didn't carry shame things. around... Yeah. 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 It was just like, okay, now I have long, I thought I had long hair, but I actually had brunette hair this whole time. Mm -hmm. That kind of, that kind of in a way where it wasn't really, um, I mean, and that's a privilege in my world to say that because I feel like there's a lot of young adults out there who it makes it, um, it's more of a negative uh, perspective that they have with disability. And I've been fortunate enough that my family um, kind of, understood that I had a disability, understood that this world wasn't really accepting of people like myself and told me at a very young age that no matter what I do in life, I'm going to have to work 10 times harder than every other person who doesn't have a disability because of um, these unfortunate stereotypes that uh, the world has with us. So that happened. And then um uh, during my like teenage years or or so, I went into the actual realization that the world really hated me, and there was no representation, nowhere in media, nowhere in magazines where I used to forward at a very young age, and I um, went through a very very dark 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 time um, that really messed me up mentally um, because I just didn't see myself out there, and I thought that you know. Obviously, I, you know, was a mistake to society mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, and that I was a burden to society. And like, you know, even asking for help for other people, I felt ashamed about asking for help, you know? And I think that, I think that that goes through a lot of people who have disabilities, um, minds pretty much all the time because the world wasn't made for us in mind. Um, it was made for people who don't, who don't have disabilities, you know, and I really, really, which is why I'm so passionate about representation in the media um, and just anywhere, to be honest, uh, because I, I feel like if I would have seen someone like myself just doing the most ordinary fucking thing you can think of, like, you know, somebody at a post office or something, you know, who had a disability, I would feel like, oh, okay, so I really could do anything. Um, but because you know, it's unfortunately stigmatized as a horrible thing. I've, I've had people tell me to my face that, um, you know, obviously something in my past life, this person obviously, like I was like a criminal or like a horrible person and now I'm paying for it. My God. You also told me that people would say really condescending shit to you, like, you'll be able to walk when you're up in heaven. Yes. Ugh. So I was going to say it. A lot of religious people, um, you know, whatever you believe, they feel like the afterlife, they would tell me to my face that like, don't worry, sweetie, 
don't worry, sweetie. Um, everything is going to be fine because in heaven, you'll be able to walk. And yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm living my best life right now. I'm pretty good. I don't know what's better that's going to be in the next life, but this life, I'm all right. But, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it does really affect you. And it does mm. really hurt because then you're like, so my life right now is not valid to you. No, I'm not worth anything right now, you know? Exactly. And also like thinking back to all of the films, you know, I... I had experiences with various disabilities uh, growing up in particular. And I remember that every single thing that I would see, they're like three movies a year at best, the one movie a year I would see Mm -hmm. with someone with a disability, they were always dying really soon. And they were like bitter and angry and impenetrable and too proud. And then the the person who didn't have a disability was, you know, would fall in love with them and then they would die. It was always this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was all this just like tragedy. And so, and also always played by fucking able-bodied actors. And they would do that for the clout of like, you managed to portray the role of a a non-human, basically a (laughs) disabled person. And so, you know, it would be almost like a run for an Oscar for an actor to play someone. Yeah, it's what we call inspiration porn. Let's just put inspiration porn across my face here. Um, And that's unfortunate. It still happens today. But also what people don't realise is that, you know, and I've said this before and you might disagree, but that's all about what this podcast is for. (laughs) It's for being free to disagree. (laughs) That maybe once we have loads of fucking roles about disabled people or gay people, or non-binary people, or trans. When when we are just stocked full of roles, then you can have the dregs going around. But the oh, the two I to three totally fucking agree. parts a a year, back off, back off. We I can't take hope, honestly. That, truly, it's just like they can't take your roles. So therefore, you don't get to take. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, I a hundred percent, and I feel like. I feel like that's the goal. I feel like that's what I want to see, hopefully in my lifetime. And I'm going to say something that's truly going to sound super controversial, but I think that that's how I see it and how my my community sees it. It's like back in the day, um, you know, people who were white were playing blackface. Mm -hmm. You know, they were playing people who were black. Can you imagine that happening now? Mm -mm. No, there's no way. And I feel like, and now, you know, there's, you know, there's black people playing black people and playing like just roles for that matter, playing characters, you know, and I hope that in my, in my lifetime, I can see anybody playing anything, you know, and Mm -hmm. it won't be a problem. And somebody who's not disabled can play somebody who's disabled. So as you said, there has to be so many movies out there who actually depict their stories the right way and authentically so that we can move forward in that. Yeah, exactly. But also, you know, I think part of the reason that they don't write uh, parts for people with disabilities more often is because they think it has to be this big dramatic storyline. So, A, you've got a lot of non-disabled people writing at the helm of Hollywood, right? So they're like, oh, I can't relate Mm -hmm. to that experience. I'm not Mm going to write about it. And then their perception of that experience is, A, they have a social awkwardness towards it, or they want to write this sort of just like, as you said, like inspiration porn. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and and so Mm -hmm. they they want to write the big tragic love story or or sob story. And actually, all we would have to do (laughs) is remember that people with disabilities are just people. So they can get into relationships or be in a 
be in a disaster movie, be in the hangover, they drink Ooh. alcohol, like they, they party. Like it's right. the idea that like they're in relationships, they do mundane things like sit in a laundromat for fucking hours, like 40 days and 40 nights. There's, there's so many roles you look at and you're like, that could have been a disabled person. It doesn't have to be this like big, dramatic, devastating experience. It's actually very mundane and normal. And all of my friends with disabilities do not live uh, sort of sensational lives. Yeah, it's so frustrating. And it must be so frustrating for you. But then also, I mean, some somewhat of a relief to finally be smashing a lot of those glass ceilings and, and breaking through stereotypes. You know, it, yes is a short answer. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, the industry can be very scary, you know, mm-hmm. um, it can be frustrating. Um, there's many times where I've just wanted to quit and, um, go, yep, I'm just going to go apply at a job at a grocery store. Cause this is just too much, mm-hmm. um, or something really random. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iway today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iway. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new quick Caribbean escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit celebrity.com, call 1 800 Celebrity, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Will you talk to me a bit about how you actually got into this industry? 
Like, what was your journey? Was it something you'd always wanted to do when you were younger? You know, in those dark years of not feeling represented, is that part of what made you want to be the representation that you weren't seeing in the world? Um, In a way, uh, when I was younger, I used to really scaredly hoard a lot of magazines. Um, I think that subconsciously I was looking for someone like myself to see in these magazines. So I was when um, subscribing to magazines was a thing where they would bring it to you through your mail. Mm. Um, I would, I think I subscribed at the time, maybe six or seven magazines, (laughs) which my mom yelled at every single time because our mailbox was not as big. So all these magazines were like crammed in there. Um, And I think that every month, you know, very innocently, I was just like one day I'm going to see somebody on the cover one day I'm going to see an editorial or, you know, even an ad for that matter Mm. that didn't necessarily have someone with a disability who was like, that was like an ad for a hospital or for like a medical equipment or something medical for that matter. I just felt like from what I'm seeing the world, we're capable about so many things. Right. Mm -hmm. And fashion being just like an everyday part of society um, because we all wear clothes. Um, why am I not seeing this in advertisement? Like that's, that was my question when I was younger. I just couldn't compute that in my mind that why I wasn't seeing it. Well, they presume, they presume maybe because they can't see any disabled people that, uh, and they don't know any, that they're all just naked all the time, perhaps. <laughs> maybe they think you just don't wear clothes. Maybe. They must do from the way they fucking market <laughs> things. That has to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, that, that, yeah, that, yeah, I'm surprised that I didn't come up with that when I was younger. I was like, I wear clothes. This is really confusing. Um, so I was just like, okay, maybe next month, maybe next month, maybe next month. And it came the time to take colleges. Um, and I went to, um, I was born and raised in New York city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I went to pick colleges, my mom, I remember specifically my mom telling me whatever I do, make sure that I'm really happy, make sure that it brings me joy going to work every single day or, you know, studying what I'm, what I'm doing every single day. Oh my God. What you a know? great mom. <laughs> so I wonderful. I Everyone I needs that advice. I know. I mean, my mom was a very tough Latina lady but there were a lot of great advice that she gave me when I was younger and it's such a it's such a privilege to say that that I had such a strong mom even even today Mm -hmm. um and she you know gave me this specific advice I remember because I was really confused because I didn't know where I wanted to go for college because the only thing that brought me joy was fashion yet I was really worried that this world wasn't going to accept me the way I am because my disability is very, 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 very visible. You know, you see my chair before you see a body. Mm-hmm. And I was just terrified that, um, you know, I was going to go into admissions office and the lady would look at me and say, mm-hmm, no, um, sounds, you know, insane thinking about it now, but that's what ran through my mind. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to sign up to every single college I can think of. And if they say no, at least I know it's a no and I can move on with my life. But I wanted to, I was also really, I mean, I'm kind of really stubborn still and I'm really, really determined. And I was like, I have to do it because at least, at least if they say no, I can prove that they said no. And it wasn't just me thinking 
you know, or assuming. Um, and- I love that, by the way. I love that. I live by that yeah. that premise that it's better to better to fail than to wonder what if for the rest of your life. I think you know? it's so important. I think those are two of the words that haunt me the most uh, when I when I've when I've allowed my ego to interrupt my curiosity. And you find so many wonders once you do, like yeah. a, whole, a whole new world just opens up. <laughs> Great, know? we're going to have to pay for that song now. Thanks for singing it. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, I think it's so vital that people that people stop being so afraid of rejection. What was it like growing up with other kids? How were they towards you? Were you accepted? Did that oh, kind of I'd confidence like. carry you through? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) um um, especially for people with disabilities they already assume that you need special education they assume that you need things that maybe you don't um or that hinder you even more I mean growing up uh I was put into uh, therapy um as an elective like a class um it was like math English therapy never asked for therapy, never requested for therapy, but the therapist told me when I asked why I was here and she said, oh, because obviously somebody, I mean, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, she said, obviously somebody who has a disability needs therapy. Mind you, I think we all need therapy. I think as an adult, Mm -hmm. I have definitely realized that every single human on this planet should have therapy. So again, so it's just like these kind of like these kind of codes of otherizing, basically, just kind of throughout your childhood. Yeah. You know, making making the word different seem like a bad thing, Mm. not like a good thing, you know, Um, because for the longest time, I will I've always been told you're you're the same as everyone else. You're not different sweetie again with the sweetie sweetie you're not different you're just like me and I'm like what a rude thing to say what a rude thing to say (laughs) I am different and I'm happy to be different and that's what makes me unique and that's how I kind of like taken back the word um so when other people other people you know in their ableist mindset or non-disabled people go like oh no I treat you the same as I treat everyone else and I'm like I see what you're trying to say and you might, it might seem like you're doing a service or be, or I'm pretty sure it's well-intended, but you're actually hurting me by saying that because for me, I need special accommodations to go to places. You know, I need to know that there is no steps at a restaurant. There is no steps at a bar or, um, you know, even on set, you know, they know that I'm there. So they have to make the stage have a ramp. You know, mm-hmm. not that's not being the same as everyone else. I'm different, but that's okay. You know, as so it's the it's the I don't see color thing. Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. For me, it was pretty much middle school where, um, excuse my language, shit hit the fan, mm-hmm. um, and I understood that I was different in a bad way. So, um, from first grade to I want to say middle school, I was always the only one who had a, disability, a physical disability in my class. Mm-hmm. So there was literally no one like me that I could visually see, um, which made me like the black spot on a white paper. Um, so there were a lot of kids who had a lot of questions and had a lot of like misinformation from their parents. Or like if we were in the yard, the teacher would literally remove a student from my bubble or from my, you know, at least three feet from where I am because they thought they were going to break me or hurt me 
or anything like that. So I was always isolated oh, from God. just being a kid and, you know, playing around or whatnot, because in their eyes, they saw a lawsuit. And in my eyes, I'm just, I want to be a kid. I just yeah. want to play with my friends, you know? So looking at the setup, you have this incredibly kind yeah. of ambitious and self-assured and and so such a driven young woman who's going through all these experiences of the world just continuously being like mm, not you or not now or not yet mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. no <laughs> all the time and so and so you yeah. are still persevering through this you you find a college that you like do you end up finding a college love yes i do i went to um fashion institute of technology in new york Um, and it was, it was awesome. I found my little community of like creatives who I identified with so much who went like out of the ordinary just to make like the most beautiful gowns and silhouettes and like runway shows. And because I was never, um, told that being different was a weird thing or being different was a bad thing. I felt so, um, at home. It was, I felt like home to be honest, just be surrounded be to be surrounded by those people how did you get into how did you get into modeling um modeling was um me at a fashion event um at the time I was working for the social media company and I met the creative director of diesel the clothing brand and we were just literally talking about our dog for three hours I believe um with blaring music like dance music just like think of like a club in New York City before the pandemic um on the in the corner just talking about a dog and we exchanged social media and I saw that he posted um that he was doing a casting call for the next campaign and a friend of mine at the time was like you should totally do this I was already doing like stand-in photo shoots with my friends who were in photography mm-hmm. in college. Um, so I would, I, I had some like familiarity of being, of being in front of the camera. Sorry. Um, and I was just like, all right, fuck it. Like, would it like, you know, the, this could be fun. Like this could be fun. Like I thought this was just going to be like a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I signed up. Two or three weeks later, uh, I got a call or email, I believe, from the headquarters of Diesel. And they're like, hey, you're on the running, you know, whatever number to become the next (laughs) Diesel model. And I'm like, wait, what? Is this real? Is this fake? Is this somebody? This is when like punk was around. I was like, am I getting punk? What is going on here? This is a spam. Um, I did it. It was a worldwide campaign. um, And the... I can't even describe the amount of messages I got from random people who then found me on social media and were telling me, like, I thought I would never see something like this in my lifetime um, for the fashion industry to highlight somebody with a physical disability as a model on a campaign that had nothing to do with their disability. It was you were just there as a model promoting clothes. And it sounds so basic, but it's still revolutionary because mm. in hindsight, um, we just now celebrated, I believe in June, the 30th anniversary of the ADA. I am currently 33 years old. So from my birth to the age of three, I had no rights. 
Mm-hmm. We as a community had no rights in America. We weren't considered anyone who deserves health insurance, a home, care, a say, anything. Um, so seeing something like that in, in the scale that it was, I think that it impacted them more than me because I didn't realize the impact at the time. I didn't know um, innocently how monumental that was and how like historical that was. It sounds weird even saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah, thank God, because you would have just been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. I'm really glad you know? that you were able to just do it as a model, just like as a girl in a campaign, you know? having a lovely time. If I may, if it's not too invasive, yeah. can I ask you about your condition and how it mm-hmm. impacts your body? Yeah, um, I always tell my friends, and I now consider you one of my friends, um, <laughs> that I am pretty open at any questions. I think, as I, as I mentioned before, it's better to ask um, in obviously in an appropriate way. Um, let's also be careful about other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um about sensitive topics um, and that I try to do my best to, if the moment is appropriate to educate, you know, we're all ignorant in some way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. but if we're willing to learn and educate and then change um, to cater to the betterment of the person who you might have affected because of the ignorance, then that's, I'm totally cool with that. Like that's how we should be doing things, you know? so with that said, my, I have muscular dystrophy and for me personally, it's like a spectrum. So, you know, there's a lot of people who have it, you know, in a different level as I have it. Um, cause I don't believe that people have it worse or better. Um, it just, you know, depending on who you are and how you, your perspective is. Um, but for me, my muscles, my tendons get really tight sometimes. Um, and for me, it kind of, um, emotions affect it. So when I'm really happy or really excited or really nervous or really terrified and scared, my muscles kind of become super tense throughout my legs and sometimes my arms mm-hmm. where I can't, like, I can't do anything. Not that I am completely like um, paralyzed, but in a way where I have to like literally close my eyes and kind of like meditate so I can relax. And mm-hmm. it actually takes energy for me to do that. Um, so that that's how my disability affects me. Um, in other situations, there are people that get um, their muscles deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, they do pass on. Um, but I, that's like, that hasn't happened to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, muscular dystrophy, there's a lot of variations over, over um, for sure. what it means to, or what it has for different people. One of the reasons that I asked is just because I think Mm -hmm. that that's an important lens when we're talking about what it's like to survive an industry where your hours are 4am to Mm 7pm sometimes. I have an Mm -hmm. invisible disability and I wake up in pain, I go to sleep swollen in pain every single day and I find it challenging and I have got significant privileges in what I am uh, you know, what my body can allow me to do at times. So Mm -hmm. what is this industry with these kind of hours and these kind of demands like when you have an unpredictable and is, I mean, is it painful? May I ask? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes Mm. it's painful. For example, the way I describe it is like that it's like having a panic attack, but being able to like talk through it. Wow. Yeah. It's like your whole body is 
freaking the fuck out. Yeah. But you're able to act like nothing is happening at all. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Tell me about this industry with a visible disability. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a hoop. Um, it's, you know, it's tough because I feel like when you're in a position when you're the only representative representative but the only one representing your kind of community mm. um it's very hard to kind of like have them understand that you know there are needs that you need there are you know different acts that you need to like continue working or to do your job properly but also you're you're like against the wall because you're afraid that like this will be extra work for them which obviously means that they're not even going to bother with you because um this is too much for them and it costs money or whatever the hell mm. um you know and that expensive example, metal and wooden ramp <laughs> so you know, so expensive super expensive ten thousand yeah. dollars i mean i only take one that is diamond encrusted uh-huh um, i've heard that <laughs> you know um, it's fair you do you queen <laughs> <laughs> you know um, yeah okay so 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 yeah I understand that I understand that that fear that you don't want to seem I can't believe I'm using this term but quote unquote high maintenance yeah which is basically just some maintenance that's all you're asking for is just some maintenance respect just respect you know I've heard a lot of uh, situations where people ask for like really bizarre things in their green room and they get it you know Mm -hmm. and I just ask I just ask for the decency of respect on that, um, I, I once interviewed one of the most famous pop stars in the world. I'm not going to say her name because I'm scared of her. <laughs> but I was interviewing oh, no. her and she uh, she demanded like eight very, very uh, unique and expensive puppies from a breeder to be able to play with before she would come on set to be interviewed. Oh. Right. So we oh. we, we mm. managed to rent. <laughs> oh. Wow. This is not my fault. I was 23. I was not involved <laughs> in this. I didn't even know about it until it happened. But uh, these, wow. these sort of like kind of like these really, really, really expensive, rare, beautiful, cute mm. little puppies were brought wow. from a from a family who you know who had all of them together and mm-hmm. uh, and she played with them beforehand it cost a lot of money by the way and then she just <laughs> stole one of the puppies and we didn't know until after she'd left because she carried it out in her mink coat and just waved goodbye and because her coat was so furry we didn't see this little face <laughs> in and amongst like her elbow and she took it on a private jet back to New York <laughs> and we just never got it back she never paid for it and we had to go back no. and tell the little kid who'd kindly loaned us his puppies that the cutest one that he wanted is now gone 
So A, I guess don't breed puppies. Uh, that's the moral of the story. But, yep. but B, uh, celebrities are high maintenance they, and nightmarish. You know? And so I don't see why, you know, I, I used to be, I, I, I had a company for a while where I was trying to create more access for people in, with disabilities in Britain. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, moved to Los Angeles. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to eventually find a way to build up the power to start this again here. But I remember at the mm-hmm. time I must've gone to 250 venues across the whole of the UK, just asking them to, to create, you know, just some sort of accessibility. And they would always tell me like, oh, well, we, you know, we just don't have enough clientele to justify Mm -hmm. the reparation costs. And it's like, well, if no one can get into the fucking building, how are you going to know how much clientele you have? And so on the plus side, you have been able to find work and production companies who will work with you. And I hope they have Mm -hmm. treated you well and kindly. You know, it, they, I've been very privileged and lucky and blessed and all those beautiful words that I have a big mouth. And if things are not accessible, I will politely, obviously, um, make it known. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that once people understand, um, you know, education around someone, around hiring someone with a visible or invisible disability, I think it would be, you know, things will get better. Um, but in the meantime, um, I think it's important to speak up um, when you see things that are unjust, specifically for you know yourself or for your well-being, um, in a way where it's obviously not yelling or anything like that, but in the mindset of education. Um, and that's how I try to do everything and any set that I go into, even if it's not accessible. Um, there's been a lot of times where I've been to castings and, you know, there's like five flights of steps and I'm like, you knew I was coming here, mm. you know, I'm pretty visually, you know, present with my disability. Um, so you could have told me instead of taking like three trains to go into Brooklyn at the time to get to this casting to get, then get here and having to do my um, reel or, you know, little uh, video that they do out in the street. Because trust, even if, you know, I was not accessible, I made them do the video outside Mm. because they had to know that this was not okay. Um, But um, again, there's been a lot of incidents where I've had to like step step up and say something. Um, Thankfully, you know, I'm in a position where I have a team and they know and they ask, you know, before I get to a place or whatnot. Um, But I think that it's important. that people understand that mind you side note PSA anybody can become disabled tomorrow mm-hmm. you know disability is not someone who only targets a race only targets uh income only targets you know a country or a city or a state it, it can be any single person mm-hmm. um and I think that when people really understand that you can go to sleep and wake up and completely have a different life um which I hope that in my lifetime it doesn't have to be the case where if you do all of a sudden have a disability you can feel secure and safe that things will not be 180 for you Mm -hmm. um that there will be healthcare, that there will be people around that there will be adaptable fashion so you can you know do your transition better for there could be a lot of more representation and education and hiring and opportunities that you know, maybe, of course, you know, that's, you know, a whole different perspective that you'll have, but it won't be such a, you know, in such a way where all of a sudden you start to think, what did I do wrong? 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important. Yeah. And also, can I can I add a PSA onto your PSA? All right. Yes, um, so I, I would also like to say that, you know, you mentioned a second ago, you know, if you are someone with a disability, don't feel afraid to speak out. But at the same time, those of us who do not have some, uh, who do not have a visible disability, something that's going to alter our ability to be able to walk into the room, to be able to get up mm-hmm. on the stage. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's also on us to start being more aware. I've become very mouthy about that sort of thing now, where there's no elevator in a building mm-hmm. or uh, I'm on a set and it doesn't feel accessible. I, f- I feel mm-hmm. very, very, very passionately about it. But again, that's in part because I was in a wheelchair when I was younger. So I, I know to look out for those things. But yeah. that doesn't mean that everyone, all of us, cannot stand right. to start to totally. think about that. Wherever we are, just think about, like, would everyone be able to get into this room? And I think if we start to ask ourselves this question and then start to ask the establishments or the producers or the the venue owners, for example, I think things would start to change. And if ever there was a time where speaking out is starting to be rewarded and heard, it is now. So it's on all of us collectively as a society, not just those with disabilities, to start asking for some more basic fucking access. And I think that's beautiful because that's exactly when people ask me how do I become a better ally what can I do to be of service to your community I'm like honestly that Mm. that's like the easiest thing you can do is to just speak up for those who aren't there or if I've had a couple instances where my friend's friend would message me and say hey I was at blank and I saw that I was not accessible and I, in my mind, I immediately was like, if Jillian was here, she would not be able to get in. Mm-hmm. So we have to say something about it. And she spoke to the owner and apparently the owner said that they're getting or fixing it or getting a ramp or whatnot. But those steps are so necessary because the point, the, if people start saying that more and more, it just become a norm, you know, and every location and every public place will be accessible even if nobody ever goes into it that need it, mm. you know? I think the point is just to have it as like you have a roof on top of a house. I think that's great. And I think that's so true. So you've gotten to a better place, even though you have stayed strong, you were somewhat afraid to always speak out or be seen as difficult or a problem. But now you are a success mm-hmm. and you are this role model and you are a model and everything is going so wonderfully. And I see you on all these billboards, and campaigns. <laughs> but let's talk about now how all this representation that we've yeah. spoken about, the representation, not even just on screen and in magazines, but also within your own middle school you know, having no other kids with visible disabilities to look at. How does all of this then impact one's social life out in the world? Like, how do you feel like this permeates our culture? Because I I think it's created like an awkwardness. It's almost as if, you know, you're an extraterrestrial to some people. Where they're like, talk to you very loudly and slowly. Or slow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My favorite one, the slow one is my favorite one. Because I'm just like, I'm from New York and we do not like talking slow. We like things fast and on time. Um, Yeah, I mean, it creates a weird barrier because I I feel like a lot of people don't want to say anything that's going to offend me if they know me or if they don't know me, I... And I've been told this several times that I look very intimidating to people. Dates that I've been on, 
you know, the people are like, you're just very intimidating. You need to slow it down a little. And I'm just like, cool. So great. Awesome. So. Well, I don't know what you're doing on those dates. Are you just going straight for the, straight for the genitals? You might, you might be going too fast. You go, <laughs> hi, nice to meet you. Straight for the genitals. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm, I'm crying <laughs> here. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just regular. You have people who just kind of read so much into everything about you and they kind of decide on their own narratives based around you because I guess imagination is all you have if you're not learning anything about Mm -hmm. a community and you're not seeing also the diversity within that community they're not a monolith like they all have different experiences there is there are truly not as many differences as you would think uh and you know I'm blessed to have many people with a variety of different types of disabilities in my life to for me to be able to speak with some authority on the fact that this is just just we're all the fucking same we all just have different ways um but yeah so so do you feel as though people then I mean there's so many things that you've spoken out about before like you know talked about the kind of myth that disabled people should only date other disabled people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and yep able-bodied people are sometimes you and I spoke about this that able-bodied people sometimes might even be attracted to or be falling in love with a disabled person but might be afraid of approaching them because they don't want to be considered fetishizing or weak I've heard of that one why weak what's that um I, I wish I can give you an actual definition but I've I've through the vine through my life experiences let's say um I've uh heard con- been told confessions of people being like, well, you know, what would my family say? They would just feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of being more of a caregiver. Like I'm kind of like lessening themselves for dating someone who has a disability. Oh um, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. The list of shit that people say I can write an encyclopedia. So what, has been your experience with dating i mean you're a stunningly beautiful woman but but how's it how's it been oh honey i try it's the jeans it's the jeans mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's been quite interesting i think for me i was very much uh, a late bloomer let's say i um i definitely it took a time for me to love myself um just the way I am. I think that a lot of people who have physical disabilities are always um, told that they're not beautiful, that they're not worthy of love, that they will never find a partner, that they won't even have children or have a family um, because of lack of education um, on their part and ignorance as well. Um, So it took me a long time to rework that and um, kind of remove all of those like negative words out of my brain and you know try to condition myself where you know I tell myself pretty much every day even to today how worthy I am and how there's no one like me and how you know amazing my perspective of life is and that's just magical and beautiful in itself um and it takes a lot of work a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of, you know, journaling. Um, and it's something that we should normalize right now. Um, but so it, it takes me a long time and I don't, I don't think I went on my first, um, you know, 
finding a date or be or being romantic till I was like in my 20s I think I was like 21 when I first had like my anything romantic um well you can say it with less judgment because some of us were 22 okay some of us okay, were, okay. some of no, us didn't I'm not, get, I'm, not I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Some, 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 some of us <laughs> took a bit longer, okay? So let's just calm down for a minute. <laughs> you know, so many movies we have as, as um, in America where it's like love, 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 love when you're like a teenager, you know, having your first kiss, having your first sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Everything happens when you're like 15 or 16 or whatever. And I was just like, hey, guys, I'm 20 and I haven't touched a skin. So, I mean, cool. Awesome. I just missed throughout the whole that throughout that whole journey. I guess I'm never going to have that journey, um, which is so not true. Um, but I have had a lot of interesting stories where people were very either cautious of me of of people not wanting to quote unquote break me without asking and I think that consent is a huge part of it where um as as it should be a part of any relationship I learned that it's important to you know to have consent in every you know level in any in anything that you do um that both parties are on the same page and um I think for someone like myself who has a, a visible disability, when the world has always told, like, you need to um, kind of, like, shut down what you think is consent and make sure that they're okay before you're okay, because then if you let this person go, like, there won't be somebody else who's going to give you that um, mm. permission or that, like, uh, love um, because of the notion that people who have disabilities don't find love or don't have experiences. So when you do find that one person, don't let them go. Oh yeah. Which is very problematic mm-hmm. and horrible. Yeah. To even like have that thought. It's resulted in some unbelievably toxic relationships for my friends because they just have this feeling of times running out. And this is also not just people with disabilities. This can also totally. be people with different body shapes or, you know, hair, but it's, it's one of those things that, that can lead you to putting up with so much shit that you don't deserve. I also so think, much. you know, to be a little bit more graphic, to lean into this subject a little bit more, but the conversation around sex when it comes to people with disabilities, it's kind of, you know, just makes everyone kind of clam up, uh, clam up, not everyone, mm-hmm. obviously, because some of us aren't completely ignorant, but it does make people feel uh, very, very awkward and very, very shy and almost like there's something supposedly virginal and, and infantile about someone with a disability. And, and they're so fragile that you'd break them if you had sex with them. And so I think that that is something that we really need to debunk as a myth like sure someone might have certain fragilities but you know i've got a dodgy oh, hip i've got a dodgy <laughs> hip reverse cowgirl not me it's not happening there's certain things that you're just gonna have to ask me about beforehand and i'm gonna i'm gonna say no <laughs> and that's what i'm talking about consent you know it's about having that communication having that notion that it's okay and it should be normalized to talk about it freely with the person that you're going to you know be doing these acts with so you know? are, you, are you saying this in the kind of context of someone might choose not to have sex with you because they just presume you can't have sex or it would be painful for you or they would break you or they would hurt you in some way? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so you're saying I've, I've we should told. just have the fucking conversation of like, hey, do would you like to have sex with me if you did? 
how would we go about making that really fun? Exactly. Don't I mean don't say it like that because it's the unsexiest delivery <laughs> of all time. You know, <laughs> my poor boyfriend. Some people might be. Some people might. Some people might think that you know, like you, the thing. The point is that you don't know. Yeah. You know, so let's just let's get into it. Just get into it. You know, have that conversation. I think we would all be in a better place. I would. I think that would be way less ignorance and toxic relationships if people like just understood that that's just like step one before going into your whatever you prefer um yeah I um I made I made a documentary once about consent and this woman came on and she was talking about the kind of analogy of if you're cooking someone dinner in your house then it is only polite to make sure that you know their preferences or allergies and so she's like why is it so weird to do something like that something vaguely in that in that area for something as important and and special sometimes <laughs> depending yeah, on the encounter it's, yeah, it's but as something be, important as sex it's like, yeah and it's but it's also intimate it's intimate regardless of how yeah. you feel about the person there is an intimacy there and so you know yeah. I think it's important to be at least as respectful regarding that as we are around a cooked dinner that's what menus are I for agree. so you know let's bring let's bring please? the menu into the sex please thank you um and so how do you address that with people? Do you kind of preempt that conversation of just like? Yeah, me personally, I um, I make sure we're vibing, obviously. This mm-hmm. is like a step to dating Jillian. <laughs> no, but I think this is helpful because I think some no, people don't, don't know. know. And I think I so want them to know that this is just, we're just two <laughs> gals talking about some sex. You know? <laughs> no. No, no, no. I, I'm, I just crack jokes all the time. But yeah. um, I, for me, and I obviously can only speak to my personal um, experiences is that, you know, I make sure we vibe and I make sure like, you know, we have things in common and that like, you know, if he leads up to um, this magical moment um, that we have the conversation before I even see the person, you know, I make sure that they're in a comfortable space to talk about it because it's so stigmatized because it's so mm. told like it's a, you know a horror to even bring it up um i make sure that they are in a comfortable position that i'm in a comfortable position as well mentally um and physically you know i like being in my room um and on my bed to talk about it interesting enough <laughs> um <laughs> but you know i i like having those conversations and i'm like okay so you know um, you know, if this does happen, I just want to let you know that you can throw me, that I will not break. Mm-hmm. So what happens will happen. Um, and that if, you know, things get either too rough or things get other too uncomfortable, like I'm telling you that I'm going to speak up, that I will stop whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. And I will say you're hurting me or, you know, I may fall or may I may not feel comfortable with the mm-hmm. situation. And did you say through me earlier? I did. I did. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? Where's anyone throw? I, I I don't know if I'm ready to be thrown. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just too big. But uh, where are you being thrown? Yeah, you know, just you know, you know. Ah, like you mean the old the, the old bookshelf? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I love this mid-air shagging that's going on in yeah. your house. 
<laughs> Throw me. Uh, no, that is quite hot. Um, <laughs> uh, I love that. I wish that we would all do that. I, I talk about this so often. I bring this up at least once every four episodes. Like, let's get into the difficult conversations before we even meet. Let's not develop all kind of feelings and intentions towards each other without knowing that we are vaguely comfortable of some sort of conversation. Uh, you know, I think that, yeah. I think asking someone before you've even met them, like, are you capable of having slightly potentially awkward conversations or are you capable of having real deep conversations with me because if not then jog on yeah and I think I'm at a point of my life right now where um I just don't have time yeah for that and if we're not on the same page then be blessed and I hope you have a great day um but I will be online and we will be cool what, what advice do you have for uh, non-disabled people out there who who are who are maybe attracted to a person with a disability or just you know who maybe are afraid of entering into that dating space? What advice do you have for them? Tell the person. Tell the person you really dig them. Tell the person that you know like let's hang out and like you know get some coffee. I don't know what these kids are doing these days, but you know. You know, just make it as, um, I hate using the word normal because what is normal nowadays or (laughs) when was it ever, like what, who invented normal? But um, I think the, the moment what we start realizing that people who have disabilities are people too, and that we (laughs) deserve the same respect as you would like to be respected, um, that's when we can, you know, hopefully live in a better world um because you know again it's just been told that we are we're not supposed to have these things we're not supposed to have these emotions or these experiences yeah you're just a heroic sob story or an inconvenience basically that is the kind of exactly to put it incredibly bluntly that is the way that so many people have been made to feel and it's just such a yeah it's so it's so ridiculous it's so ignorant it's so short-sighted we're missing out so much and and again not to like heroify uh, all people with disabilities but anyone who's been through something more often than not will come out of that with an interesting perspective and with substance and with a like a sense of kind of some some stoicism and this is not all people again they are not a monolith but I have found that in my life be it with mental health or be it with trauma or be it with something everyone I know and love has been through something or has navigated something that was otherwise tricky. And that's the thing Mm -hmm. that has made them, you know, partially just more open and more empathetic and more interesting. And so I, I I despair of how much we shut people out. It's also really ridiculous when it comes to like making friends with a person, maybe someone who's disabled at work, because you think, well, you know, there's certain things that they won't be able to do. So, you know, they probably, we couldn't invite them out clubbing. First of all, yes, you can. (laughs) Second of all, (laughs) second of all, it's it's fine (laughs) if, if they can't. Go like mm. I don't go clubbing because I'm a miserable old fuck. So you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't be friends with me. My friends just go clubbing without me because I'm a bit deaf. I don't like loud places and I hate everyone. So it doesn't stop people from asking me to be friends. Well, maybe it will after they heard me put it like that. <laughs> but I've always been a miserable old fuck. <laughs> always. Oh, no. <laughs> Since I was like 19. And uh, and so, you know, this idea, these like imaginary barricades that we build between ourselves and those who just might look a bit different. And it's, 
exists across the board. Look at the trans community. Look at the racial divide that we keep being made devastatingly aware of because we can't believe how little it's progressed. The fear of the unknown is why we as a society have to stop making people with disabilities unknown. We all have a responsibility to fight for that representation in our workspace, not just in fashion and in media. We have to make we have to make room for this community who has been shut out for no good reason. This is just given to us and we're like here, like, hey, I just kind of just want the most minimal of respect. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else. We don't want revenge. We could. Yeah. We could. Okay, stop thinking about it. I see the wheels turning. (laughs) It's very time consuming. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think anyone out there who is oppressed in any way, even if you are a straight, cis, white, uh, non-disabled woman, you are someone who, who has at some point been told what you can or can't do, right? By maybe by a man. So, oh, you can't do that. That's not for you. Oh, you want to enter this industry? Oh, probably not. Oh, you want to be the CEO? That's not going to happen. If you have ever been told no for no good fucking reason, just because of the way that you were born, then you have an understanding of what it feels like somewhat to, to exist within a community that get told that all the time, every step of the way. This year has been so fucking interesting to watch how so many of my friends have been told because they are they have visible disabilities that um, mean that they, they, they need a chair or they need a, a frame or, or, or um, crutches. They've been told that they can't be hired and they've gone like 10 years without jobs that they were fully fucking qualified for because, well, you, you can't work from home unfortunately you know you wouldn't be able to to keep up with work in our office and 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 we can't you know we can't run a company with some employees working from home boom 2020 everyone is fucking working from home whole massive industries surviving some even thriving Mm -hmm. from home look at that isn't that amazing all that while literally every i don't know if we're ever going to go back to office spaces I think a lot of businesses are thinking, why would I bother paying the rent? I think everyone's, I'm so interested to see what happens when it comes to hires of people with disabilities, now that we know that it is completely possible. We just had to try. It was always possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm so so glad you brought that up. I'm like, I can cry. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's just, I remember the second that everyone started working from home and I was in my living room in the middle of my living room and I was just like wow look at that Mm -hmm. look at that look how easy that was that was like a switch of a light yeah yeah I think this whole time has been quite triggering for people with visible disabilities just the way that you know and I understand because it's new people are, you know a lot of people complained about lockdowns like oh being in my house all the time or I can't go out there are certain things I can't do I can't go to the pub anymore and you're like yeah yeah that happens sometimes to, to millions and millions of people that's just their existence so yep. may this may this year open everyone's eyes and make them realize mm-hmm. more about people who are different from them may we all myself included continue to be more accountable with our responsibility and our privilege and and stop missing out on fabulous people like you just because we yeah. didn't have some fucking wood and metal <laughs> and courage <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Um, Could have said it better myself. <laughs> Gillian, you're you're so wonderful. I wonder, do you have any words of encouragement for anyone out there listening? Like, I I know that within our iWay community, we have a lot of people with disabilities. Do you have any words of encouragement through what you've learned through such an extraordinary life story? For those people out there who maybe are having a triggering difficult year or maybe they're coming to the age where they're about to start dating or they're about to start socialising more if this pandemic ever fucking ends. I think I would probably tell them that as cheesy and as corny as this is going to sound, that they are not alone. And I'm looking at the webcam right now. You are not alone. There is an immense, and and I can't even emphasize this a lot, as much as I am right now, immense big community out there of people who love you unconditionally, who sympathize with you, who have so much empathy towards you and have the tools to make you feel safe and make you feel wanted. And um, that, you know, even though there's moments where you feel like you want to quit, where you feel like you want to run away, where you feel like, you know, there won't be a no, uh, no tomorrow. Um, just know that, you know, we are out there and I'm including myself in it, um, that will do their best to help you, do their best to reassure you how amazing and beautiful your life is and how even those, you know, days can be difficult and how um, if you want to cry, trust me, cry. I love crying sometimes. Just cry. I think we have to normalize crying, cry it out, um, write things down, um, but know that we are here for you. And because, and also that even though social media can be a little scary sometimes with a bunch of people's opinions. And I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. I'm always, like that. I'm always fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you have a lot of great people who say lovely things yeah. to you, you know, so it's many opinions. One um, big love fest. It's constant applause. It's actually embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> I wish I would just be criticized sometimes. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> to know that um, I found such a great community of like disabled activists, of just disabled people out there who are living their best life and who are educating the world because they choose to. Also, PSA, you don't have to educate anyone, especially nowadays. There's Google, it's free. Also, YouTube is free as well, um, where there's, many people out there who are educators and who will, um, you know, teach you. Um, But know that there is a community online that is literally the foundation is love and care and acceptance and that you are not alone at all. Thank you. And before you go, will you tell me, Gillian Mercado, what do you weigh? I want to say I weigh my independence, my family, whether it's my immediate family or my chosen family, and um, my life. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being so illuminating. And I will see you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson and the beautiful music that you're hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. I really appreciate it and it amps me up to bring on better and better guests. 
Lastly, at iWeigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWeighPodcast at gmail.com. It's not in pounds and kilos, so please don't send that. It's all about your just, you, you know, you've been on the Instagram. Anyway, and now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners. Hi, my name is Aiden, and I went from laying indoors every single day and having no motivation to do anything to getting up, making new friends, and getting out there and just enjoying life as it is. Uh, so, yeah, that's my accomplishment. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.